1: Hey there folks, you're listening to the Philadelphia Eagles edition of the 2018 Team Preview Series, a special edition of of Radio. My name is Neil Dutton, you can follow me on Twitter at NDutton13. Our guest today is Jimmy Kemsky. he's the Eagles beat writer for the Philly Voice. You can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. We'll talk about the changes for the Eagles as they go from underdogs to defending Super Bowl champions, the progress of Carson Wentz and the rest of the IR brigade as they return from injury, and a few of the other key players heading into the 2018 season. Then I'll take a closer look at the journey of Carson Wentz in the NFL so far, as well as looking at two of the key fantasy players on the Eagles' offense using some of the great apps we have at Rotaviz. For those of you who don't know, Rotaviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotaviz.com to check out the site. But that's enough from me. Let's bring out Jimmy Kempsky. Delighted to be joined by Jimmy Kemsky with the the Philly Voice. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, thanks very much for jumping on with us. Yeah, uh, happy to join you, Neil. Um, we'll get straight into it. Obviously, you've know you you been to uh, several Eagles training camps before. So I'll, I'll be polite, I won't say exactly how many. Um, are there any major differences between the ones in the past or this one, bearing in mind the Eagles did quite well last season?
0: Yeah, the difference is uh, this team is really good. <laughs> I mean obviously they won the Super Bowl last year but uh, this this is the most complete team that I've seen them have in camp uh, in my time covering the team I've been this is, I think it's my seventh training camp uh, that I'm covering actually uh, it might be actually it might be eight but anyway but it, it's by far the best team that I've covered even going back to last year the year they won the Super Bowl this time last year, the cornerbacks looked horrible. <laughs> like they had Jalen Mills was was the number one cornerback, and you know he hadn't had the season that he had last year yet. Uh, Patrick Robinson was a guy that they signed pretty late in the DC and he was dreadful uh, at the beginning of camp. He turned it around a little bit later, and even into the preseason games, and then wound up having a great season. And they hadn't yet traded for Ronald Darby at this point in the offseason in the last year. So I mean, they had a little they had that they had a little holes on their team. It's really hard to find any no you know goals at all, at least in the starting lineup with this with the team. And then when you look at their depth, they're really strong. Linebacker might be a little bit weak in terms of depth, but I mean it's as complete a team as, as I've seen since I've covered the at least locally since I've been covering the NFL.
1: Obviously, one of the things that can happen after the Super Bowl is that a lot of the Parts that made the team win can be attracted elsewhere. Um, obviously, you know sometimes you see players leave. There haven't been that many for the Eagles, I don't think, but there has been changes on the coaching side. What, if any, yeah. impact do you think that that could have moving forward?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's an undersold story so far, and you know they lost Frank Reich and, and your boy John DiFilippo of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost Reich to, to, to the Colts. Uh, he's their head coach now. And they lost DiFilippo to the Vikings. He's now their offensive coordinator. He was their quarterbacks coach in, in, in Philadelphia. And those two guys were a big, big part of the game planning for their upcoming opponent each week. They really, uh, DiFilippo was, uh, was big in terms of their red zone preparation for each opponent. And they, uh, at the top of my head, I think they were 64.1% uh, in terms of uh, touchdowns scored, and when, whenever they got to the red zone, which was second in the NFL, and that was a big upgrade from uh, 2016 when I think they were around 49 percent and you know the bottom half of the league in, in that category. So that was one of the big things that they improved in 2017 was their red zone offensive. Like I said, D flip a huge part of that, and then Frank Reich had his hands all over uh, third down conversions, uh, as well as red zone, and then also just you know general game planning in terms of you know, in between the 20s against their, their opponents each week. So they're going to have to replace those guys, and they did, obviously, with Mike Groh becoming the offensive coordinator, and then, um, yeah, and then you know, they filled the other spots as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, they certainly uh, are going to have to prove that they can game plan for upcoming opponents in the same way that, that uh, the trio of Peterson, Reich, and Filippo were able to during their Super Bowl last year.
1: So obviously where we go to on the field, the big question obviously surrounding the Eagles going into this season will be the health um, and availability of Carson Wentz. Obviously you're not a doctor, and I know this is, you know, the stupidest question that people keep asking every single person <laughs> yeah. wearing an Eagles uniform, <laughs> but do you think he's gonna be ready for week one based on what you've seen or haven't seen so far?
0: I would be absolutely stunned if he did not start week start week one. And I mean, I'm not a doctor, as you mentioned, and, uh, you know, shouldn't be trying to play one. But from what I've seen of him in in practice, I don't see a guy that looks injured in any way whatsoever. I mean, the only way that I could tell he was injured just by watching him be because he's wearing a knee brace. The Carson Wentz that I've seen, uh, there was one specific day, it was last Saturday, in which uh, he made a number of really impressive physical plays, uh, one of which was he was in the pocket, and uh, the puck was starting to collapse around him. And he did sort of a Tony Romo spin to the outside. And at that point, he was being pursued by uh, Chris Long. And he was able to outrun Chris Long and, and throw on the run while going to his left uh, on the money to a receiver. And it was just a type, of wild type of play where you go, I can't believe this guy is, what, seven months removed? Or eight months removed, rather, from, from a torn ACL and LCL. So... Um, I look at that play, and I don't mean to make too much of one play or, or rather the four plays that, that I saw during that, that, that day of training camp. But, I mean, I can't see how he can possibly not be ready by week one, especially given they're, what, what like 35, uh, actually even more than that, days away from, from their first uh, regular season game against the Atlanta Falcons week one. And then uh, I've gotten a little bit of uh, heat on this, but I wouldn't be totally surprised if – he didn't make an appearance, or if he, if he made an appearance in one of the preseason games, I know people seem to think it's crazy, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're 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 crazy for thinking that I'm crazy. But I think you know it might be a little bit beneficial to see him to, to, for him to be able to get into a preseason game and just kind of see the scene of the game, I and mean, not that he hasn't seen it before, but just kind of you know, get back into sort of uh, you know getting ready for, for game day kind of rhythm. You know, are not going to take any chances with him. Obviously, you're not going to have him hit seven-step drops or anything like that. If you're going to, you know, have him, you know, throw some quick hitters and hand the ball off, uh, but and but you know, kind of keep him out of harm's way. But he is so much further along than I thought he would be at this point. And, and again, like I said, I'd be stunned if he didn't play week one.
1: When you talk about um, handing off, obviously, quick plays, handing off the run game. We saw how important it was last season, without ever really having a. B- true bell cow back as it were how does the running back um, situation look at the moment I mean obviously Legarrett Blount has gone Um, Kenyon Barnett who had his moments last year he's no longer there how is it looking now and do you think we'll see a difference from the two previous years under Peterson and maybe have that bell cow back or is it still just going to be a committee yeah well
0: I think if it's going to be a committee to some degree it'll be J.A. Corey Clement and uh, Darren Sproles who they're locked to make the roster and then the fourth running back spot will be won in camp by either Danelle Pumphrey, Wendell Smallwood, uh, undrafted free agent uh, Josh Adams, or uh, free agent acquisition Matt Jones, who was formerly with the Redskins Colts. So, those four guys that make the team, I don't know how heavily they'll be involved, you in know, whoever comes out of that group. Uh, you know, Strolls, Clement, and the JaE are all going to get their share of touches. The one thing I will say about a is last year, they really throttled him down after they acquired him from uh, the, the Dolphins around the midpoint of the season last year. They wanted to make sure that he was healthy for the stretch run of the season and the postseason. Because there's not knee issues, and the Eagles have pretty much, you know, they've, they've had no problems acknowledging. They, they've been not shy, rather, about uh, acknowledging his knee problems. One I thing I do wonder is, Johnny's going to be a free agent. Next off season, and the Eagles are going to be kind of tight against the cap as they were this off season. They of course have the Kluson once, uh, you know, contract extension on the horizon. That's going to be costly. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to spend, you know, dollars on some of the players that on their own roster that you know are coming up in free agency, as well as you know bringing guys in from the outside. So the Giants a pretty decent bet to move on to another team next off season. And if the Eagles do, in fact, believe that, then I do think they're going to give him a bigger workload because, hell, what do they care if they just, uh if going to over past the, the 2018 season? And that won't be a problem for Jay Ajayi either because as a free agent upcoming, he's going to want as many carries as he can get because he's going uh, he to make more money on the open market. So if there is reason to believe a guy is going to get you know maybe more carries or more looks than he did a season ago, then I think Jay Ajayi is a pretty good example of that.
1: Moving over to the um, the pass catches, um, one player that and I personally was quite excited about coming into this season, especially after Tory Smith was traded away, was Mac Hollins. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know Alshon Jeffries, you know entrenched as the number one. We got Aguilar going to work the slot, but then obviously the Eagles then signed Mike Wallace. Is is it pretty much a given that that's going to be the starting three, or is there a chance that Hollands could work his way ahead of Wallace as camp progresses?
0: Yeah. Been getting first team reps all throughout camp, and that's because Alshon Jeffrey is on the is on the pup list with uh, you know having still as he still recovers from uh, uh, a torn rotator cuff uh, surgery. So uh, right now it's, it's Wallace, Hollins, and uh, and Aguilar, Of course, Jeffrey's going to you know be able to be in the starting lineup when he returns. And it'll be Wallace. That'll be the number two receiver, and Aguilar will be the three, and Collins will resume his spot as the fourth receiver, and uh, you know, kind of uh, budding special star or special, special teams uh, ace. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Collins is going to be you know really heavily involved in the offense, especially now because also the Eagles have. Well, I mean, not also, but they have Zach Ertz, but then they also have uh, second round pick Dallas Goddard, who has looked phenomenal throughout camp so far, and then they have the running backs who are going to be involved in the passing game. Corey Clement showed that he can be a factor in the passing game last year. They'll have Darren Sproles back, who was a factor in the passing game. So there just really aren't that many targets to go around for a guy like Matt Collins. Um, and the fact is, if I can say, you know, throughout training camp, even working with the ones, he's been kind of quiet. So I don't really see a big jump out of him from year one to year two. I think he's going to improve, and I think he is improved. But again, I don't think many targets are going to come his way just because of his sheer numbers in the Eagles offense.
1: You mentioned uh, the tight end. Obviously, Zach Ertz uh, led the team with t- uh, sorry uh, led the team with receiving yards. I think last year, or was it receptions, one or the other. Um, it was something of a seen as a breakout year for him. But even though he'd actually been quite consistent the year first two years, he just he just never scored yeah. touchdowns. The Eagles then obviously with their their, their, their earliest pick, they traded they uh, selected Dallas Goddard. Is there a chance do you think that um, Goddard can come in and have a big role? Or will he just simply have similar to what Trey Burton had last year?
0: I'd be very surprised if he played as little as Trey Burton. Did Trey Burton only had 200-something receiving yards last year. I think his biggest year was 2016. Off the top of my head, I think he had like 300-something receiving yards. It blows my mind that he had an $8 million a year contract to Paris. I mean, I think he's one of the more overrated players uh, in the NFL from a fantasy football perspective. Um, I just don't think he's shown enough to, for, for you know, people to think that he's going to put up huge numbers in Chicago. Uh, but anyway, uh, so <laughs> to get off that tangent, I think Goddard's going to play early, and I think he's going to play a lot. Eagles also signed Richard Rodgers in free agency this offseason from the Packers. I think he's going to be their three. Goddard's going to be their two. Deckers is going to be their one. And I think they're going to utilize more two tight end sets than they, ha- than they did last year. Goddard is legit. I mean, from what I've seen so far out of him in training camp, he gets open and he catches passes. <laughs> that's uh, a that high-level analysis, but that's just what he does. And I think uh, he's going to be heavily involved in the red zone. Even though he stopped the tough to stop again in the red zone this year, because uh, they, I mean, have to place too much emphasis on size, but they do have Zachary, who's six 65 and 250. They have Goddard, who's 65, 260. And they have Alshon Jeffrey, who's 63, 220. So, Those three big guys, it's going to be tough for opposing defenses to match up with that size. And Goddard has gotten a lot of run during training camp, especially in the red zone. So I think when the Eagles do get down and close, he's going to see a lot of playing time. Once they get inside
1: the twenty, moving to the other side of the ball, um, there's uh, on the defence. Obviously, the continuity there. Jim Swartz uh, is back as defensive coordinator. Again, it doesn't look like there's been massive changes. I mean, Patrick Robinson has gone back to New Orleans. Michael Kendricks was released, but the continuity on the and you know the talent that was there last season. This this defense could potentially be actually better than it was last year, or am I just literally you know, just you know am I just drinking the Kool Aid there?
0: Yeah, the defense was really good last year, and I think the shine is off them a little bit because they got torched in the Super Bowl. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, anyway, so Brady hung five hundred something passing yards on them, and. Patriots had over 600 total yards on the Eagles' team. Eagles could stop them once you know once the second half rolled around. Yeah, yeah, I mean people remember that, but they played phenomenal defense against the Vikings in the United yeah. Championship game. They played really well against okay. we the Atlanta Falcons in the playoff game before that, and all throughout the season, you know they they played great defense. And now I'd say that they were very opportunistic. They have they got, they were able to force a lot of turnovers, whereas a team like, say, the Vikings. They didn't go up a lot of yards, but they also didn't turn the, the opposition over all that much. And that's where, you know, kind of the Jim Schwartz scheme comes into play. The Eagles won't rushing the quarterback with just four guys. If they can get pressure on the quarterback with just four guys, it makes life so much easier on the back seven. And the Eagles really put a lot of priority on, on, on their front four, and they have a really strong one with Brandon Graham, who's recovering from an injury. Uh, Timmy Jernigan is going to be out for a while, but they have uh, Fletcher Cox and they have Melody United. And they have Derek Barnett, who's who I believe is going to be more productive in his second year. They brought in Michael Bennett. They still have Chris Long. And they still have guys that they can throw with opposing quarterbacks in waves. And it's tougher, you know, opposing offensive lines to block them for four quarters. Eventually they're going to break through and they're going to make a play, as Brandon Graham did, despite the Eagles defense getting torched in the Super Bowl when he was able to force the strip tackle with Tom Brady. And essentially. And- Close out that game. So, you know, as long as the uh, front four can create pressure on the opposing quarterback, then they're going to be absolutely fine. Because, but they get to the quarterback and they force the quarterback into bad decisions, and then it kind of hurts them on the back end. But it really always, always starts with that front four in any Jim Schwartz scheme.
1: So, as we look now, say training camps obviously started, season's a few weeks away. I, I assume you'd expect the Eagles to once again be challenging to be in the you know the late stages of the playoffs or even the Super Bowl again uh, in 2018.
0: I think it's the best roster in the NFL. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the very, it's the, it's the simple one. to put I know the Rams signed a lot of guys and they had a lot of talent. To see what you know, we'll, we'll, remains to be seen, if you know they can kind of all gel together. If the Patriots kind of took a hit this offseason. They obviously always still have Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski coming back, and you know those two guys alone you know, can kind of give uh, opposing defenses all the headaches in the world. But the Eagles def- or Eagles roster rather, from, from top to bottom, in my view, is the best in the NFL. And uh, they're going to be really difficult to stop. NFC is loaded. I mean, they, even with the best roster in the NFL, you have the Rams, you have the Niners are going to be better. You have uh, the Falcons are, are, I believe, an underrated team. You have the Saints, who did a lot of damage last year. You have uh, the Packers, who are getting Aaron Rodgers back. You have the Vikings with their great defense. And just up and down the conference, you have so, I think this is the strongest NFC that we've seen in a while. And it's going to be, I mean, it's difficult for any team to repeat. Obviously, it hasn't happened since the Patriots did it after the 2005 season. But, I mean, especially this year for the Eagles with that loaded NFC, it's going to be difficult for them to get back.
1: I mean, you mentioned about the Rams. I mean, it's not as if we can, you know, anyone who's watched the Eagles for any length of time can offer any advice about how advisable dream teams are to put on the field.
0: (laughs) Well, you know the Eagles' deal, Street. I didn't think that was a terrible idea what they did that year in terms of you know bringing the town. They thought they were close. The, real, the one thing that really kind of threw a wrench into the whole dream team thing for them that season was here's the year's the lockout. So when the lockout ended, it was already like I don't remember if it was like late July or early August. It was somewhere in there, and you know they had the draft. But free agency would normally be in March before the draft, free agency happened as soon as the lockout ended. So like all these guys who you know didn't have contracts or the contracts had expired were free to sign anywhere. And dream camp was already underway for a lot of these teams. So these were bringing in like a new guy like every day. And I think that that had a lot to do with the dream team quote unquote really not working because those guys just really had no time to kind of put it together and become a team the way they might have been able to have they assembled you know, the roster the way they did in March. And that's where the Rams and the Eagles, you know, dream team comparisons, maybe that's a differentiator that, that Rams fans can kind of, you know, hang their hat on. But, you know, certainly when you do bring in a lot of talent the way that the Rams did, and, and not just talent, but talented guys who, you know, a lot of them kind of have histories of, of, uh, of some off-the-field stuff. So we'll see how – there'll be a fascinating camp uh, – the Rams will be a fascinating sort of um, – Case study this year and in, in roster building, it'll be fun to watch. You know how good or or you know explosive that that team is this season. But uh, uh, the Eagles are a good kind of um, comparison for them in terms of a cornering players. Uh, you know, like a lot of high profile as good players but the team is a little different again because of
1: those lockout things well it's been fantastic talking to you Jimmy I say that's Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice you can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy thank you very much for your time yeah of course Neil appreciate it that was my chat with Jimmy Kemsky of phillyvoice.com I say follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. when we come back we'll talk about some of the things we, t- we were discussing as you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching. Get ready for it with a subscription to a Rotavis NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it supports the pod. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL Pass at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Welcome back. Before the break, we were speaking to Jimmy Kemsky, the Eagles beat writer for Philly Voice, as we looked at the Philadelphia Eagles going into the 2018 season. Obviously, huge difference coming into this season from last one. Um, the Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champions. They were very, very efficient on offense, very productive, very explosive on offense in 2017. And they were also very strong on defense. The defense didn't get an awful lot of... Uh, Praise or credit, I don't think, because some people still fall back on there. Yeah, but they gave up 505 passing yards in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it it was to Tom Brady. You know, it wasn't to some no-mark. It was to one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever lived. So I think it can be forgiven to an extent. Um, The Eagles obviously have some question marks on defence. They did lose a couple of pieces. Patrick Robinson, who'd been exceptional as the slot cornerback, he's gone back to New Orleans. Michael Kendricks um, has been released he didn't really play that much, didn't make many big plays. But there's so many question marks, um especially on the offense. Um as I said, there's a lot of players coming back from injury this year. Jason Peters, I say one of the best left tackles in franchise history, Darren Sproles. He's been very, very productive as an Eagle ever since he came over. But obviously the big one that everyone is concerned about and you know, and the most important player on the Eagles on the offense, let's be honest, it's Carson Wentz. Um so we you know we know that he's coming back he's probably ahead of schedule I mean we know that you know the new coach speak if you're not ahead of schedule you're behind schedule but it there is does seem to be this groundswell of opinion that he will be ready for week 1 so how important has Wentz been to the Eagles and how much growth have we seen from him in his two seasons in the NFL? Well, if we use some of the apps we have at Rotaviz, I'd say we have over 20 proprietary apps on Rotaviz, and they all they're all fantastic, they really are. If you look in his first two seasons, if we split it up, his first two seasons, in 2016 he played all 16 games, which is unusual for an Eagles quarterback. It hasn't happened that often, certainly since the Andy Reid era began. And if we use the game splits app, which is one of the best apps we have at Rotoviz, we're able to look at, for example, for a quarterback, their pass attempts and completions, touchdowns, interceptions, yards per attempt, and passing yards. And we can break it down between seasons, between weeks of the year. So we can go, you know, for a span of weeks, for example, say like weeks one to four, we can see what the difference is, and we can see what a player is projected to have done on those numbers if we push them forward throughout a whole season. Well, let's say we look in 2016 when Wentz was a rookie, started all 16 games. He attempted 38 passes per game, he completed 23.69. He averaged 236 passing yards per game, uh, one touchdown per game, a bit disappointing, and 0.88 interceptions. His yards per attempt was 6.36. Overall, not terrible, but not great. He was asked to throw the ball an awful lot. I mean, 608 pass attempts for the season as a rookie. It's not great. Throw it forward a year where he only played 13 games. Obviously, he was injured in the 13th against the Los Angeles Rams. His pass attempts had gone down to 33.8. His completions were down as well to 20.38. But his passing yards per game was up to 253.54. His touchdowns per game was 2.54. Interceptions 0.54 and his yards per attempt 7.55. So from his opening season where he had 3,782 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, if we'd have projected it for what he did in his first 13 games in 2017, he would have finished with 4,057 passing yards, an Eagles record. The Eagles one of, in fact, I think they're the only team now in the NFL that have never had a 4,000-yard passer. Forty-one touchdowns would have been an Eagles record. Nine interceptions and a yards per attempt of seven point five five. It's that's just an absolute quantum leap from where he was. So if we look at some players, you know, similar to Carson Wentz, we're looking at quarterbacks in their first two seasons in the NFL from two thousand and eight to two thousand and seventeen. I've gone with this, and the reason I've gone with that is because two thousand and eight gave us two rookies who started at quarterback for their NFL teams who were still quite, you know, quite prominent in the NFL. Today, that's Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco. Pretty much before them, it was very, very rare still for rookies to start. So, if we look at quarterbacks in their first two years since 2008, and we're looking at the players most similar to Carson Wentz's numbers, so just to, just to let you know, that's Carson Wentz, who's attempted 1,048 passes. He has 7,078 passing yards. Six point eight yards per attempt that 's brought down as we say by the rookie season forty nine passing touchdowns twenty one interceptions he 's rushed he 's rushed 110 times for 449 yards and two rushing scores, and in this he's had 566.5 PPR points. On the rote of his screen, it gives us the option of being able to look for similar players. So, using that, similar players in their first two years as quarterbacks in the NFL, it's not a great uh, selection to be honest. We've got Blake Bortles, 2014 to 2015. Um He actually have he actually had ten. 10- no, actually, no. I tell a lie. He had one point five PPR points less than Wentz in the first two seasons. Ryan Tannehill, two thousand and twelve to two thousand and thirteen, he had five hundred seven passing yards. Now the reason this isn't particularly encouraging is that Blake Bortles has shown that he's now quarterback of a team that want to take him out of the offense, so obviously that doesn't fill you with a great deal of of joy in the heart. Ryan Tannehill is the same. The Dolphins have been their most successful when he hasn't been throwing the ball. Andy Dalton's another name in here. He's had his moments as a fantasy quarterback certainly. He's had 540.55 PPR points over the time. I think he's had Two touchdown passes less, but eight Interceptions more than Wentz, same span. And another one, a person who some people were suspecting that at the time, the year before the Eagles took Wentz, that maybe Chip Kelly might have moved heaven and earth to go up and get Marcus Mariota. Well, he's not been terribly different from Wentz in the first two seasons. Marcus Mariota had 45 touchdowns, so less than Wentz. 19 interceptions, again, less than Wentz. And he had 551 PPR points. So not a terrible you know, not a terribly encouraging list of comps, but there are players there like Dalton and Mariota who've shown flashes. I mean what Mariota did go backwards last season, but there is an awful lot of hope around him in a new offense with a new offensive minded coach. Um, offensive, minded, uh, offensive coordinator sorry for the Titans in Matt LaFleur so again if we have a look using the Rotovis screener again we saw that Wentz's numbers there are pretty much brought down by a poor first year so let's have a look at players similar to Wentz again using the similarity search on the Rotovis screener who had second years similar to Carson Wentz well now we have Marcus Marcus is there as well 7.6 yards per attempt 26 touchdowns 9 interceptions uh, Wentz had seven. yards per attempt, 33 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. Another encouraging name here is Russell Wilson... He had 8.2 yards per attempt in his second season, 26 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. So the same as Marcus Mariota, 313.35 PPR points. And other players, Derek Carr, he his second season, he had the 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, an MVP style season for Carr, then obviously has his broken leg, he's had back problems, he's not been the same. And another name on here is Josh Freeman. So well, the less said about that, the better. Well, another the key player on the Eagles' offence is tight end Zach Ertz. Now, people think that Ertz broke out in 2017. He was certainly one of the Eagles' best pass catchers. But the fact of the matter is that over the last three seasons, so the two with Wentz and the season before that, he has been amongst the most productive tight ends in the NFL. He's had 328 targets. Again, this information is from the rote of his screener. You can break break it down by year or by a span of years, so I've gone from 2015 to 2017 to get this information. His 328 targets are third most among tight ends... His 227 receptions were third most. His 2,493 receiving yards was fourth most. And his PPR points, 560.3, is fourth most. The one area in which he seemed to lag behind his peers was with touchdowns. He only has 14 in those three seasons. That's good for 10th. Now, he did have eight last year. That was a career high. So, obviously, we're hopeful, you know, if you're an Eagles fan or if you're a Zach Ertz owner, that they can still have this connection we've seen how important the tight end is in the Doug Peterson offence obviously the Eagles drafted Dallas Goddard but at the moment Zach Ertz is still the guy another player that the Eagles um, may look to use more this season than they did last season and that's Jay Ajayi who came in as a trade during the season from the Miami Dolphins now people don't seem to know what to make of Ajayi fancy wise You know, is he going to be a workhorse are the Eagles going to continue to have this committee he did split time It is acknowledged, you know, with Corey Clement, Lagarrett Blunt, even Kenyon Barner last season when he came over to the Eagles. If we actually have a look. In the seven games he played for the Dolphins before he came to the Eagles, he was playing an average of 71% of their offensive snaps. He played an average of 36% for the Eagles. So if, again, if we use um, the GameSplits app, let's say on the road of his suite of apps, and we break down his season from weeks 9 to 17 and weeks 1 to 8, well, in the weeks 1 to 8, he was averaging 19.7 rush attempts per game. rushing yards per game, but no touchdowns. He didn't have any touchdowns. In the receiving game he was being targeted 2.86 times per game. He had two catches per game, and he was averaging 9.6 PPR points, so he was getting a big, big bulk of the work in the Miami backfield. But he wasn't doing that great. Fast forward, I say, to weeks 9-17, to those seven games he played with the Eagles, and better minds to say his snap count was virtually halved from what he was getting at Miami. We see now his His attempts per game is down to 10. His rushing yards per game, though, is down to 58.29. So he was averaging 5.8 yards per carry. His touchdowns, he was getting 0.29 touchdowns per game. He saw two targets per game and was getting 1.43 receptions per game. And 11.13 PPR points per outing. So if we extrapolate this over a full season, he actually would have had 178 PPR points. 933 rushing yards, five touchdowns, um only 23 receptions but i say 178 PPR points if he'd been keeping if he'd have been kept at his work pace what he was get, getting with the dolphins before he came to the eagles he'd only have had 154 PPR points so it's a question of he has shown he can be much more efficient if the Eagles do sprinkle in some of the other backs. Obviously, they still have Corey Clement. Donnell Pumphrey seems to be having a great camp. He might be you know, becoming something of the player Eagles thought he would be when they drafted him. But they've still got Darren Sproles, and there's Josh Adams, or Wendell Smallwood, or or Matt Jones the former Washington back. So we've seen that Jai can be productive with a small workload, a smaller workload, but we've seen in the past as well in the first sorry, second season with Miami that if you get want to feed him the ball time and time again, he can do that as well. So that's gonna do it for the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles team preview from Rotoviz Radio. Big thank you to Jimmy Kemsky. Please go out and follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. I'm Neil Dutton. Follow me on Twitter at ndutton13. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colm Kelly and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotaviz Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at RotavizRadio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotaviz at a 30% discount through the Rotaviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.